0: Beats with Rob O'Connor.
1: Your music now. This is Beat.
0: You're listening to Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor and today I am chatting with Dahi, Dahi O'Droni on the eve of the release of what I think is his third album but he will correct me if I'm wrong about that. Uh, I'm Here Now is released on the 9th of September. When you're listening to this it is probably sometime in the past but for us As we're recording, it is a time in the future, such as the temporal nature of podcasts. It's uh, (laughs) all tachyon fields are inverted. Anyway, uh, the album features the single "Sunset," uh, which uh, was a collaboration with Alvaredi as well as Familial. And uh, there's nine tracks in total. It's a wonderful piece of work, and I'm delighted to chat with Dahi about it today. Dahi, so am I correct? It is your third
1: Dahi album. Yes, that's right. The third Dahi album. Yeah, yeah. So the first one was In Flight, which I released with Sony Music Ireland a good few years ago. And then Lost was uh, just before the pandemic, I think 2018, I think. Um, And this is the third one. Yeah. So flying it.
0: (laughs) And there was a little sojourn with houseplants there last year along the way as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're kind of, we're, we're shooting at maybe about an album a year now, I'd say. We're, we're, we're gearing stuff up.
0: <laughs> well, why not? Why not? And there's also been numerous EPs as well along the way. And um, if you haven't done so already, do check out Tahi's back catalogue. Uh, there's, a, there's a wealth of material there. Um, does it feel weird when somebody says, check out his back catalogue? Does it make you feel old?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I suppose a little bit accomplished, I suppose. It's probably the the best thing to have with it. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I kind of, and this album is kind of very much like that as well. I mean, it's kind of, I've been about 10, 11, 12 years doing music now. So, you know, so it's kind of, the uh the kind of the the idea of releasing music is kind of it's it's kind of aged kind of very interestingly where you know back in the day you would release something and it would be this massive deal and you'd be kind of hugely excited about it and then uh like you'd send it out there and then you'd feel kind of a little bit deflated because you'd put so much work into it over so much time and then it just kind of goes out there and suddenly it's not yours anymore it's kind of the world's if you know what i mean so kind of now it's it's a bit different where you kind of you, I find like you have to really mark the occasion. Like, you know, like, I mean, we, whenever I release single now, you kind of, you go out with people and you kind of mark it almost like a birthday or something like that. And you find different reasons for releasing stuff and and why you're releasing stuff. It kind of comes a bit more into focus as you, as you get older, you know? So yeah, that's what this record is about. It was kind of, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a journey and not the product I think is, is the big thing, you know? Is that a theme of the record or a product of the record?
0: Yeah, it's definitely well, what theme. what I mean by that is are the, are the songs about what you've described there, or is that just a product of making this record? The theme has yeah. Been-
1: like I, I was I was kind of recording a whole kind of group of music, kind of just after the pandemic, where I would do this thing. I have a I have an artist kind of retreat in Baliwan called the Beekeepers, and um, I, I I did these things where I would just carve out a weekend and I would bring down maybe one or two artists down at once and then we would just do a weekend in this kind of house and you know it, it, the the fact that I'm kind of back in my kind of hometown where I kind of grew up when I was younger and the fact that I have this new place and bringing in people that I know who are mates the kind of the the title kind of speaks for self that kind of I'm here now idea is that like you know you're kind of taking a place that kind of has so much history to you but then you're adding the kind of all of the parts of your life that you've kind of built up over time by bringing friends down and 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 tagging that stuff and kind of trying to make the place your own is like a a kind of a major issue and then I i think in in general like it's it's kind of I think after the pandemic you know you were doing a lot of kind of standing and and being in one place and stuff and then once everything started coming back in and kind of started happening again you know everything just seemed to speed up so fast and like there was like so many gigs and so much stuff was happening and you were kind of always in flux and I kind of had this kind of feeling of kind of not really sure kind of like where I am and and where I'm actually grounded and stuff like that. So a lot of the music was kind of exploring that idea in terms of kind of what emotions you kind of have about kind of what you're doing and and how fast you're doing it and and what actually matters to you. And, and so, so the entire record is kind of built around that idea of, of trying to kind of ground yourself in who you are and trying to kind of just almost take a breath. (laughs) So sometimes Mm. it's the big thing, you know? Yeah. Do you,
0: Do you feel a sense of belonging in Mm. the geographical space that you're occupying right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, it's kind of a mixture of feelings, really, because it's like, you know, I do feel a lot of, like, kind of identity of about where I'm from. Like, you know, basically all of my music was always based on that idea of kind of, like, mixing in this kind of West of Ireland stuff. And mm. then at the same time, you know, you're coming back to a kind of a smaller town and there's a bit of a trepidation about it. You know, you're kind of, like, you're kind of not really sure if, if you're kind of... if you know sometimes when you're younger like when you're in your early 20s and you go back and you stay with your parents for a while it feels like you're going backwards or something like that you know what i mean and now i'm kind of like i'm i'm actually living in the village as opposed to living with my parents or anything like that and you kind of you're trying to make the place your own and and Mm. a lot of different emotions kind of come with that and you know I, i think a lot of people my age kind of one of the more interesting things about our kind of generation is that Like we'll say, for instance, my grandmother, my grandmother was like really like her, all of her identity was built around this valley that she was living in for her entire life. And she was like, so like entrenched in where she was from. And like this identity built around location is kind of, it's kind of a rare thing for, for people my age, you know, we do a lot of moving around and we live in a lot of different cities and people move around a lot. So we're not as tied to, I guess um, one particular location, and trying to come to terms with that myself is kind of, uh, it's a it's it's a bit of an exploration, and, and I kind of try to re- reflect that in the music for sure. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've only heard the album twice. Okay, because mm. uh, your people, uh, because uh, you're you're so rich and powerful now, you have people to do jobs <laughs> for you. <laughs> they they sent me on a, a kind of a, a pre streaming copy of the album, so I was able to kind of right. listen to it while I was sitting here at my desk uh, working away at things. And the song titles, you, I get that sense of belonging because I mean you have titles mm-hmm. like "Well Sunset," which is you know the, the 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 kind of one of the singles that has come out so far. Yeah. But I'm Here Now, which is the title track from the album. And then you have Familial, which mm-hmm. is is was another single. Yeah. But you have songs like Walking Home Alone. And Moonlight, which as you talk about now the sense of space for or the sense of belonging to County Clare, I'm I'm, kind of getting that a positive experience of returning to your hometown and not being nostalgic, but being progressive and maybe recognising the value of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, that thing of talking about like moving so fast and you do so many gigs and you kind of travel so much, like genuinely when you come back to a kind of a place like this, which I'm I'm here now, like, you know, it, life generally tends to slow down and you have a bit more space to think and stuff like that. And I think that becomes increasingly important as you as you get older and as it feels like everything else in the world is kind of speeding up so yeah I think even over the course like anytime I write an album you know I'm like doing the stuff without really thinking about it and it's only kind of afterwards that you kind of realize what the hell (laughs) was actually happening when you were writing it It just kind of it starts arriving afterwards where you're kind of like oh okay so that's kind of where I was coming from and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and like a track like I'm here now is kind of an interesting one because it was like Uh, I have this like big library of samples um, that I've collected for like 10 years. I've spent a lot of time recording on my phone and recording with recorders and stuff and just going around. And I kind of thought it'd be interesting to build a song with like I would find different times in my life and try and take a sample from around that time when I recorded it, if you know what I mean? So let's say, you know, there's a, there's a recording there of like my grandfather's concertina has this big long pad sounds in that track. And, and, you know, that was recorded at a specific time in my life when I kind of feel very different to what I feel like now. Mm. When I first started doing the sample recordings, you know, I recorded this this gate up in a mountain in Donegal and kind of like recorded the whole thing. And that was like the first time that I got into actually just recording natural samples. And I remember being so excited by the whole thing and then putting that into the song suddenly. It kind of i have a different view on it now so like it's just kind of not only is it about kind of where you are in terms of sense of place like that i'm here now is kind of like i'm the sum of different parts of me from years and years and years and you're trying to mix all of those pieces together to make a kind of a song that that um mixes all those different i guess (laughs) dies from all those different times you know um so yeah so i mean at, at, at the end of the day every single track is this kind of idea of trying to explore both identity and sense of place and I think I'm kind of very much built around those two things anyway they're kind of intertwined a lot so um yeah it's a real explorative record for me anyway and Mm -hmm. as I said before you know I'm starting to get meaning from it (laughs) more and more as it goes on and I think once it releases it'll probably feel different again and then I'll have a different view of it as well you know so yeah so the album is I'm Here Now.
0: It's from Dahi. It's released on the 9th of September. And as we're discussing, you're kind of saying that there was no grand plan, mm. but there was an evolution in the songs as, as you wrote them and recorded them. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a good way to summarise what you've said?
1: Yeah, very much, very much. Like, generally, how I would write an album is, you know, so I would do like maybe two or three weeks of like really intense kind of time that I'm completely on my own and I'm kind of trying to get into that flow state and just kind of like let the stuff come out of me. And whoever I'm feeling at the time definitely just imprints itself on that naturally. Like, you can't get away with that, mm-hmm. get away from that if you're, if you're a kind of a creative person. I think whatever's going on in your life is always going to shape your kind of, your feeling on the songs so then I would get these kind of sets of demos and then I would take like maybe a weekend and bring down say somebody like Alva Reddy and Sinead White and I know that they're mates and we have a whole pile of history together and then we kind of you know we would work on the songs together and they would become something more and something bigger because they would add their own thing to it and then like you know I would have another weekend then with another two tracks with another two artists and you try and bring in all of those different pieces and i don't know the th- the thing that i've kind of noticed in the last while since lost anyway in particular is that like i feel like i know a song is done when i don't see uh how i made it <laughs> like i don't, I can't see the seams of how the song works and like i don't really understand how i even made it and i can't see the little parts of it so that's when you know how a song is done and mm. uh it's the same with you this whole entire album it's just like songs where you're, they're kind of like They've just been reiterated on and re-explored several times and now they're kind of, they're their own thing, you know, so, yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, The you've mentioned already who featured on the single Sunset, which yeah. I know it wasn't the first single from the album. I think familiar was the first release I heard from this album, right. but yeah. uh, but Sunset... Uh, maybe because it's a song, it's probably had had the more, more of an impact. Uh, certainly yeah. for me, anyway, I think it's a great song, um, and I, I'd listen to Alvaredi. I know people say you listen to somebody sing the phone book. I, I, re- I know the phone book doesn't exist anymore, but if you could find a phone <laughs> book from 1987, uh, Alvaredi could sing it. And
1: I, it would, I be, would, I would love to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I, that
0: would be an interesting concept album. Alvaredi sings the phone book <laughs> year to year. <laughs> be like reeling in the years, but with Alvaredi singing the phone book. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that sounds like a ba- that like a a forfeit on a dare or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 100%. Uh, But, okay, so Alva's on it. Now the, so the, I mentioned that I I've heard the album, but it streams. I don't have sleeve notes with it. There's Mm -hmm. basically just song titles. That's 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 all I see. Probably
1: for the best, you know, you can print your own stuff to it.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, so I don't know who the people on the album are, the collaborations, but I'm wondering, is your voice on this album? (laughs) because 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 like so the songs uh, like like the water or keep it for the next one yeah does this kind of voice is kind of in the background it's there but it's not in the foreground the way Alva's voice
1: is on Sunset and I was wondering is that you so it's actually quite interesting because several people have actually asked that and it's actually it's definitely not me it's there's a there's a couple of different artists that are on it But have definitely there's something weird going on there where I think for this record, apart from, say, like I would often use female vocalists a lot of the time. Right. Like I would I would work with Sinead or work with Elaine, Sinead White or Elaine May or or Alvaretti. But for some reason (laughs) in this record, I tended to lean more towards male vocals and I'm not sure if subconsciously I probably picked ones that sound kind of minimally like me. So say the t- three kind of main male vocalists that are on this is David Tapley uh, from Tandem Felix, who who was in the last record as well, Lavender. Um, keep it for the next one is Neil Dexter, who's a really brilliant uh, kind of newer artist. Um, he was in Spies for a while, but has All this right, yeah. absolutely incredible voice. He's like really, really amazing. Yep. Um, and they did a weekend together. So there's a lot of different kind of uh, backing vocals where David will do one and Neil will do the other. And then there's one more uh, vocal artist called uh, Uli, who is a, a really, really amazing vocalist from um, from Dublin who's a backing singer for Nilo's band. Nilo, yeah, well. yeah, 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 yeah. And he's an he originally- absolutely amazing
0: is he Sri Lankan originally or something yeah uh, I
1: think he might be yeah yeah. but he's he's just this amazing he has this voice that's like so kind of unique and iconic but like it's just something really resonated in it with me Um, and that's that's really interesting because yeah because like all I've just leaned more towards male vocals for some reason on this one and I feel like that might be the reason why because it's just like like trying to somehow get closer to a voice of mine. Like, I can't sing at all. I'm absolutely (laughs) rubbish. And like, it's one one of the things I wish I really could do, but I just absolutely can't do it. And I'm kind of blessed that like, I'm friends with so many amazing vocalists that like, I was like, why would I, (laughs) why would I sing anything if I have these amazing vocalists with me, you know? So,
0: Are you being overly
1: modest in saying you can't sing? No, I'm genuinely being (laughs) honest. (laughs) <laughs> that I absolutely cannot sing there's a couple of like there's one or two places in this right and then there's one uh, there's a couple of different places in loss as well where I've just done these like oh, kind of parts around the back and soaked them in reverb and stuff like that but uh but yeah hitting hitting notes is is a mainly a violin thing or like a, a kind of a keyboard thing I, I'm I'm not good at singing at all <laughs> mm, I'm not sure
0: if I believe you but, <laughs> really? but, but 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 I'm not going to call you an out and out liar. I I just I'm I'm not sure. Uh,
1: <laughs> Joey Celeste, Joey Celeste. Yeah
0: yeah yeah. We, we we leave we leave that one. We'll we'll park that one for now. but yeah. So the right, but that's interesting. The way you've leaned on the on, on the male vocalists.
1: Mm, um, yeah.
0: And actually, there's a but well, there's an interesting parallel because Elaine, you you mentioned Elaine May, um, her album from last year uh home yes i mean she, yeah. she's a, a fine singer but she left most of the vocal work to other people that's on, true on her own album which i thought yeah. was kind of strange and that I album wonder, is it was amazing though and it's such a, it's it's such a
1: female album. powerhouse like it's so yeah. kind of i don't know they, i love that album so much and the fact that i don't know if you've seen it live at all but like you no, know they, they have this amazing just like it's basically like seeing a girl band play like dance music it's like incredible she has this like incredible lineup of vocalists that she just brings along with her and it's like such a good time so there's so much positive positivity in that record as well yeah for sure yeah
0: yeah yeah i don't know i i think that maybe there's a dahi voice that might come out at some stage in the future yeah you never I, know i think it took five albums before uh david holmes sang on a record oh, really Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah and then it was actually really good so, yeah, maybe
1: um, maybe I'll end up like it'll be like I'll get as far as like the Johnny Cash level of deep old man voice, <laughs> and like suddenly I'll be out with like an all <laughs> Acafella record. Like <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> don't knock it, we'll see, we'll see you we <laughs> again. Um,
0: so you're at music now, as you said, over ten years, and uh, In Flight came out in 2014. Yeah. Okay. And it was a major label release, and blah blah blah. And but here you are now in County Clear releasing it uh, on Strange Brew Records. You know, mm. what still excites you about music? You're still doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: something must excite you about it beyond because uh, I I'm going to burst any novice musicians out there. There's no money in it. I hate to tell you this. 100. <laughs> there's no money in it, and there's. And and there's no real fame in it, yeah. you know. So there's there's only what you get out of it yourself, really. Yeah. So what excites you about music here now in 2022 on the eve of the release of your third solo album?
1: Like, yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because I've kind of been thinking about that myself as well. Like, I'm kind of, you know, I've been very lucky that I've kind of done music pretty much full time for, God, like almost like... 9 or 10 years you know so like doing it full time was an absolute blessing for me and I kind of I ran it like a business that was always the kind of the way that I could was able to do it and the fact that I'm like a solo person and not a band was was mm. a big reason as to why I could actually do that and now I'm kind of I, I also do this thing where I kind of look after this um uh artist retreat in Clare and I also do kind of mixing myself as well kind of more on the production side but like every single time that i do those things and think like oh well should i just do this because it seems easier <laughs> and, it, and it seems like you know something that would actually get me even a little bit more comfortable than i than i currently am you know you, i think you just keep coming back to this thing where uh number one it's all i've ever done and it's the thing that i'm good at you know what i mean and like it's the reason it's the reason why you kind of live is you find something like this kind of like a craft it's the same as I don't know, the the thing I always put it to is is like my dad is a farmer, you know, and like there's no money in farming (laughs) at all. And it's like an incredibly hard job and it's like such a heavy slog. And like people would look from the outside and kind of go like, why would you want to be a farmer? Like what would be the possible reason? And it's just because it's like. It's your thing. It's like the thing that you do, and like nobody else can do it. Like you can do it, and and it, it's your whole sense of identity. And I kind of think about that same with the music. And then, you know, again with this record, you know, it's kind of like it is. I'm in my kind of uh, early to mid 30s now, <laughs> and like, uh, you know, you kind of you 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 start questioning. It's like, well, you know, I mean you don't you don't just do stuff to make money you don't just do stuff to make a living you know what i mean you kind of once once you're gone like you know is is doing like this kind of normal job is that ever going to give anything to anybody no but like if you do music and you kind of give that stuff to the world and kind of you contribute to culture and you contribute to society i mean that's a sense of purpose and that's a sense of being so without being too kind of over the top like it's just mm. a sense of sense of purpose and a sense of being that like kind of I don't know I I don't think I would be able to live without doing music and then you know so to do music you gonna know, you kind of have to do all the other stuff you have to kind of promote the stuff and you have to like work at it so hard and you have to like all the admin and all the stuff but at the end of the day if if it lets you continue write, writing music then then that's what you need to do and that's that's a reason for for getting up in the morning I guess you know so yeah
0: In my experience, that's the area that most musicians fall down on. Mm. And I I say that I'm not not making any judgments because if you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. But uh, I know loads of people who are brilliant guitar players or fine uh, banjo players. Behind me, there's a banjo and a guitar and there's a heap of instruments down there that you can't see. Mm. Um, And I'm not a full time musician at all. But I remember back in the day, back when I was playing and you know, filling out forms for Imro are really boring work. And I remember some of the lads I was playing would say, oh, I didn't get into music to fill out forms. But I said, yeah, but like, how are you going to get paid if you don't fill out a form? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I know it's not, there's no romance in it. And you won't read a biography of David Bowie about all the forms that he filled in. Yeah. But you can be sure he did it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's kind of... I don't know. Yeah. It's just like you just you just have to do that stuff to kind of continue on mm. and to keep doing it. And yeah, you're right. It's like it's the least glamorous job. Like I think people have this idea of this like, yeah, you're always going out and getting hammered and having a party and <laughs> stuff like that. And like, you know, it's so glamorous and great and like all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, it's a proper slug. It's like a proper mm. you have to work hard and you're lucky to work hard for it. You know, I mean, I'm so blessed that like I got that break and I I, I am able to do this music and stuff. And, you know, there's times when you kind of you're at your kind of lowest point where stuff just isn't working or or you can't come up with any more music for a certain amount of time. And then you go and you play a gig and suddenly you have, you know, 50, 100, 300 people singing back a song that you released a couple of weeks ago and like you know you're looking at your Spotify numbers (laughs) you're going yeah this is fine I'm comparing it to the rest of my songs and this is all grand and then and then you get like an audience of 300 people who are like I love this song I love this song and then you're kind of like okay so that's the release and and that's why live music is kind of so important to me and it's it's kind of been a real kind of touchstone in, in what I do all the time it's because uh the internet and numbers are just not a good way to to see any return on your kind of music it's playing it in front of people is the is the way to get that that feedback and and you know mm-hmm. i mean I get, I get a lot of messages from different kind of younger artists kind of asking you know uh how you how you get started or how you even just keep doing and stuff and everything and it's just like there's, there's no money in it. it's about <laughs> cameras there's loads of stuff that you're doing that's not music like you know like 40% 60% of it is is not actually doing music it's all the other stuff but like if you can get up and you enjoy playing in front of people then you get that immediately that immediate feedback and it sets you back on the straight again and, and you get to keep going you know mm. um, so yeah so that's the beauty of it I think yeah for anyone listening, I'm
0: not trying to reduce music to an accountancy exercise or or, <laughs> or or stuff that you do in a balance sheet. I'm not suggesting that for a second, but I suppose it's like, you're around now. I'm not trying to put years on you, but you've been around for a while and you're still doing it. And I'm always, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm always respectful of anyone who's making music regardless of genre I, I, it might might be my cup of tea it might not be my cup of tea but i don't particularly like country and irish for example but i mm. respect people who make a living out of it um uh, i do like your music and I, I but i also respect you um yeah and i'm i i often wonder how just how you manage to still pay the rent and put food on the table and th- and those are the the things as, as you've described it's it's all the non-music related music activities if you, yeah. if you get if you get my meaning um yeah yeah I, I,
1: like you know I, I mean there's a there's a very uh unromantic version of, of how you make a living on it is basically you I, i've been blessed that like my, my parents have been very very good at teaching me how to run a business basically you know yeah and that's been like a huge thing for me is that basically you know the idea of keeping costs low and like I'm coming back to an excel sheet at the end of a year and kind of going like well these shows cost me this much so I need this fee to actually cover it and and there's a lot of just very kind of boring business stuff that you have to do to to kind of keep going and like it's it gets harder and harder playing live is the thing so during the lockdown it was it was really difficult like the the, the thing I had to do then was to kind of do a lot of score work for film and stuff like that and and that kind of kept me tied and over But, uh, but yeah, but now you're back on it. It's all about gigs and you kind of, what you want to do all the time is scale up the gigs and make them as big as you possibly can and, and bring a million people on tour with you and like do all this amazing stuff. But you kind of have to look at like, it's like, okay, here's the fee or here's how much we can get out of ticket sales. The show costs this much. So you have to balance those things off and kind of then take a wage out for yourself. (laughs) Like, Mm. so it's very much like a business. You have to think about it like an entrepreneur uh, and again, coming back to what we were talking about before, you know you you do all of that boring difficult, hard stuff so that you can write more music and you can keep playing to people and and yeah, so it's, you have to run it like a business, that's the big thing yeah.
0: Yeah, if there's any younger musicians listening, who're thinking these two lads are the most boring people ever, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't know, maybe there might be one or two who might listen and figure out that actually maybe there's something <laughs> to it, and uh, you know, anyway, don't don't just drink all your money or, or do whatever it is with your money. Uh, try, and, yeah, try, yeah. try and be somewhere. Or, some or, or drink
1: it. all your money, but just know that you're not gonna make it.
0: like, <laughs> yeah. it like afterwards,
1: you know, <laughs> totally drink all your money. That's totally grand. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah this has uh, been how the sausage gets made. Uh, <laughs> Uh, with uh, Dahi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd, uh, be, right, so just to come to an end of the conversation on the album. Yeah. So I'm Here Now is out uh, on the 9th of September, which is probably in the past when somebody is hearing this. Yeah. Um, I've heard it's a great record. I'm not just saying Thank that you. because you're here. Uh, I, I genuinely do like it and I'm looking forward to getting a copy of it when when it does come out. Uh, physical, a physical copy of it when it does come out. I mean. <laughs> um you've mentioned that you're going to have a tour to go yep. with that what are, where, where is that where are the plans for that so we have,
1: yeah we have like a, a 20 day tour uh, of the uk and ireland and uh, it's actually it's starting in paris as well which is the outlier so we're doing paris to kick off the tour and then there's um i'm just traveling like kind of all over ireland i'm kind of blessed that like there's a whole pile of different venues in different places where i've kind of played plenty and kind of built up audiences over over the years and then uh so we're kind of doing that big long tour and then we're, we're doing we're starting in scotland then and going down through england um and then my, my book and agent who booked the thing put at the end of the poster and many more, which I think means like, <laughs> which really worries me because, <laughs> because I think that means that it's just this tour might go on forever. <laughs> so I have no idea there's going to be more and more dates added and uh, yeah, it's going to continue on. And then I think we'll do a kind of a big festival season next year as well. So hmm. uh, yeah, we're going, we're going hard. I'm, I'm very excited. We have a, a really amazing, there's a guy, um, uh finley is his name he was a really really amazing lighting engineer who's kind of been brought on with me as well and uh i'm super excited to have him on tour with me because he's kind of he's the equivalent of a musician for lights he's just basically so enthusiastic about that stuff and we discovered him this year and and uh yeah super excited to get him on the tour as well you know
0: and all the details for the tour dates. No, I don't know what they are. They're hmm. are they published online? Or are they? Anywhere? Yeah. So
1: you, you can you can kind of get them on my Instagram or my Twitter or on my w- new website, which is dahi.me as well. Uh, and you can both buy tickets there as well. So I think they're all on sale currently as well. So. uh Wherever wherever you are, I'll be close. <laughs> That's
0: <Fabulous>. basically it. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I, I've seen you live numerous times, and you've you've um, never failed to impress. So oh, uh, I, I would right. tor- thoroughly recommend that. And, uh, but I, I wasn't a big fan when you did the strip striptease that time. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought there was no need for that. You
1: let the music speak for itself. I was, uh, we were saying the music is unglamorous. You know, I was trying to add a bit of glamour into the whole thing. But whatever, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, okay. Right. So there's two final things i'd like to talk to you about that are yeah. related you've touched on more already which is the beekeepers which is the mm-hmm. uh, the studio space or the the artists retreat space i think is how you describe it yeah right?
1: yeah it's it's kind of it's not really a studio because we, we we have a very very minimal recording setup but that's because i think nearly every artist who's out there now has their own gear that they that they know how to use. So they bring that stuff with them in a big car and then, and then move up, you know?
0: Okay. So let's imagine, I don't know what the beekeepers is. Now this is, mm. I'm not trying to do like a kind of a free advertising pitch, but I'm intrigued by it. <laughs> and it might tie back to what we were talking about earlier as well. What is the beekeepers? If you yes. could describe it, like what would be the elevator pitch for it?
1: The elevator pitch is basically, um, uh, it's really expensive to go to a studio (laughs) and most artists really what they need is a bit of space and a bit of time and a bit of peace with their own gear to actually write and record music in a kind of just a nice location and that's exactly what beekeepers is um i have spent 90 percent of my time writing music not in studios and i do a lot of stuff where i would go out into the west and rent a house somewhere and just spend two weeks writing music and it was always a kind of a dream of mine to kind of make a place where artists could go and it would be specifically tailored to artists be affordable for artists to come and to kind of record and uh actually just spend some time in a really nice location and then over the lockdown myself and my partner Norma we kind of uh once all the gigs started up <laughs> we we started uh, restoring this beautiful house in Ballyvahan in the burn um and uh By the time the pandemic was finished, it was ready to go and we started renting it out to artists and uh, it's been it's been a huge success. It's been really, really great. You know, we've had some amazing artists there, you know, uh, Saint Sister was recording a record there, Peter Broderick, Nilo, um, The Scratch. There's like a whole pile of different artists who kind of come down um it has a very minimal kind of recording studio setup but the idea is that you would bring your own gear and just spend lots of time just recording there's like purposely slow internet so that there's no distractions <laughs> and uh and yeah it's just in a really nice very private glade kind of thing and it's close to the sea so you can kind of go for a swim whenever you like Um, and yeah, I mean, we found that there's magic in the walls. Like it's a really inspiring, gorgeous house. You can see it on Instagram. It's like a really special looking house that's like really, really nicely designed. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to kind of put it together and kind of give something to artists. You know, when this record came out, I was kind of looking at the Totally Dublin, Totally Dublin had reviewed my, my album and myself and my partner were looking at the review and we realized that out of the other five albums that were there, another three records had been recorded in the beekeepers. (laughs) So, so we were just standing there going like, I was like, this is amazing because now we've like, I I have my own record out, but then we've also supplied a place where people have written music for another three albums here. Uh, And there's a great like feeling of that come back into it, you know? So it's, it's really, really nice to kind of supply something affordable to artists and, uh, and yeah, that's the, that's the the true aim. Yeah.
0: And what does the sense of space give or what does that bring to the table yeah for somebody who visits the beekeepers
1: like i mean the the, the mad thing about it is that like you know I, i've talked to some artists who've been down there and they kind of go well look I'm, i live in dublin with like five other people <laughs> Do you know what I mean? so even just having like <laughs> space without any other people in an area is like a huge deal and like just getting time to just like just sit still and actually concentrate on nothing but music Mm. is an absolute luxury. And it's almost more important than any piece of fancy gear or any piece of like a perfect recording studio or anything, just space and time to just kind of slow down and try and get into that flow state and kind of trying to get into that kind of, creative space is uh, is absolutely the most valuable thing when when creating music and you know i like i've I, i've all of this record you know when we did those weekends we did them in the beekeepers so like i've tested it myself and i can attest that it's just a beautiful really nice place to kind of sit around and it sounds really nice there's a big fire and kind of big comfy couches and then you just set up your gear and kind of people just hang out and just stuff just starts happening automatically and, and you record as much as you can and, and uh, yeah, it's really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there's magic in the walls. That's I, it kind of has come across that way, like where like people have just gone like oh, I've got more done here in like four days than I have in like two months of like trying to write something, you know, and, you know, we we open it up. It's not just for artists as well. It's for writers and for um, script writers and a whole pile of different kind of filming stuff as well. And it's opened up to all types of artists and, and all of them say the same where it's just, you know, it's in this. Super quiet, beautiful glade in the burn, and you got views of the mountains and views of the trees, and there's birds around the place, and then you can go for a swim and then come back, and yeah, it's idyllic. It's it's perfect, and I I have I have a lot of pride about it as well because it's in this hometown that I'm from, and mm. you know it's a lovely way to kind of show off where I'm from and, and show people kind of how how lovely a place it is. So uh, so yeah, I'm very very proud of it, yeah.
0: Well, there you go. Now, if you're a creative type looking for a retreatful space. Understand. space. I don't know what's that even a <laughs> word or phrase. Uh, look, look up the beekeepers online. The photographs uh, I've seen online are, are amazing. Um, so mm. I, I take my hat off to you. Uh, it's good, for, yeah. for building it. Like you know, it's 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 it. It's easy for somebody to say I'd like to do that, and then yeah. never do it. I I have a million ideas that I've never done, uh, yeah. but to actually say, so I'd like to do that, and then to actually do it, I would have a huge amount of respect for that so
1: fair it's fair. good yeah I, I, like I, I one of the nicer things about it as well is that it's a very much like it's a family event you know my my auntie my auntie runs a, a b&b in the village as well and she uh so she has these big like sheet cleaning machines so so, <laughs> so so when we're doing the turnovers she cleans all the sheets and stuff and then my mother lives just down the road so if there's any other problems when i'm on tour or whatever she can drop in and she kind of helps out and um yeah like it's very much a kind of a family thing as well so it's uh i, I wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do it at the family there as well so props to the family
0: <laughs> and also I think that's a, let that be a warning for anyone who thinks they're going to come down to the beekeepers on the session <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the Dahio droney mafia will get you
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We have to be we have to be careful when, uh, when when people bring any substances or anything like that. We have to do a clearance before before the family come in. You know, <laughs>
0: uh, right. Well, kind of tied up with that, but may- maybe not because you've mentioned that the kind of the the gear that's a, the the hardware, the the musical equipment in the beekeepers is kind of minimal, mm. but. I've always been intrigued by your sounds and the sounds that you use. Now, you, you've mentioned a lot of the field recordings that you've done, and I know you have, you have recorded lots of things down through the years, sampled mm. them and then warped them and did all sorts of things to it. But in terms of kind of uh, off-the-shelf sounds or off-the-shelf music-making equipment, I know you play violin, mm. but in terms of synthesizers, are, are you somebody who likes hardware synths? Are you a big fan of software synths, or maybe a little from column A, a little from column B, or something else entirely?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm a big fan of both. Um, I'm in my studio currently, and hang on, the audience is not going to see, but I'll show you. There's plenty of synths oh, down along here. So I have. Uh, I'm a big fan of Moog synths and Dave Smith synths. Um, and I, I, kind of, yeah, the thing I like about about uh, hardware synths is the fact that there are these actual machines that are in front of you and you can actually turn the gear and it gives you this tactile sense of power which I would say a VST in a computer doesn't have. But the one thing that I think VSTs have and have come along so much in the last like um several years is this idea of having these amazing musicians or are amazing instruments at your fingertips that you would have to pay so so much money for. So like mm. especially on the score work side of things, you know, I would use a lot of kind of string VSTs that have been recorded from all these like really really amazing places and yeah like weirdly enough like I I do a fair bit of like recording with microphones but a lot of the natural instruments that I would have that I can't play would be from VSTs, so the more real instruments <laughs> I get from the VSTs, whereas the hardware synths are the, like the digital real sides of the of okay. the coin, you know. So, uh, so yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, like you know, VSTs are interesting, and and the whole side of computer music is interesting because uh, you have basically every single thing that you could possibly want in the world at your fingertips. And sometimes that's a bad thing, you know. You have to, you have to just hold yourself off from just throwing any old stuff into stuff, and, and you know, I, I've talked to you, Rob, before about the my kind of ethos and on songs and stuff like that. That I never want to put in something that doesn't have some sort of meaning behind it you know mm-hmm. like i could i could get the bbc symphony orchestra to play this whole instrument but like why <laughs> well, like what like there has to be some sort of reason why they would be in there and and trying to find that stuff is a challenge trying to find meaning in the stuff that you're putting in is a challenge but it makes everything much more beneficial to you and your songs feel more like your own songs as well you know so yeah it's uh it's yeah a mix is, is the thing like you know uh i do a lot of like putting the putting the hardware synths into old tape machines there's a 414 cassette tape machine there as well so i'm big into making all the clean digital stuff sound uh horrible <laughs> in, the best, in the best in the best way possible there's so much like white noise on this new record and these weird like warpy feels of everything where like You know, when I first got into computer music and digital music and stuff like that, it was always this idea of like, you know, it's like, oh, this is amazing. Like everything is in tune and everything is on time. And then from that second that you figure out that you spend the rest of the time trying to take stuff out of tune, trying to take it out of time to make (laughs) it feel more human. And you're always fighting against that kind of very digital feel. Um, And that's uh, that's that's always the case with with a lot of Dahi stuff in particular. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. I. I've heard I've a couple of friends who are photographers and yeah. on, you know, a lot of the modern uh, d- digital cameras, the, the d- DSLR cameras, yeah. I mean, the, the fidelity from them is, is astounding. But often what they have to do is they have to insert noise into the photograph because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. almost too perfect
1: yeah absolutely yeah and like you know uh, yeah like photography is a perfect example of that thing where it's Mm. like you know you take a photo and it's the most accurate color that you've ever seen in your life and it's a terrible photo (laughs) because it's just (laughs) like there's nothing poetic about this photo that i just took of a car like you know so then you bring it in and you find like you know you try and color it like an old film color and then you add in a load of this grain from the grain and stuff like that and uh yeah dehumanizing stuff is a massive deal now from top to bottom yeah from all types of art yeah and we like i mean when we were doing the videos for say sunset and stuff like that you know uh you know we wanted to do a lot of um swimming scenes with this uh amazing actor annie ryan and yeah. you know she like we brought it to a dop a director of photography was going to do all the video stuff and uh, like the obvious thing was just like okay cool well there's all these like waterproof like Uh, like, camera, like, casings that you can put a digital camera into and it'll be grand. We'll just do it. And he was like, no, 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 no. We're going to film it on film. We're going to shoot the whole thing on 16 mil film. And it's like, yeah, but like, how are you going to get it into the sea? And he was like, I'll build a box. I'll build a box. So he like... (laughs) built this like waterproof insane box where like it has a little hand in like you're kind of in a biochemistry lab to press the record and start the thing reeling and then like you know there's somebody on the beach with like this automatic like focus thing so that you can stay in focus and then two lads have to come in and like throw this like camera this massive film camera in a box into the ocean and they have only about 15 minutes because they can't carry it for long enough and then and then he takes it out and they, we look at the footage and it is like the most amazing footage that I've ever seen in any music video that I've ever done and like all of that work just to kind of get this really poetic kind of artistic feel that like you've been transported to this whole other place and And uh, it just fills you with just kind of like excitement. And like that's that's why film is such a big deal. You know, that's why film is so uh, everybody just wants to see stuff in film because it has this romantic cinema feel. And that's the same with music. You know, you're you're never trying to get this perfectly tuned digital synth. You're trying to like warp it so that it has a bit more of a feel like you kind of you remember when you're listening to it on vinyl or you listen to it on tape and stuff, you know, and there's just way more romanticism in that stuff, you know.
0: Yeah. There's a good gr- yeah. I don't know if you've seen a documentary called Sound City.
1: Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Do you know the With one the about a,
0: a, yeah, about the desk yeah. the Nev desk and the Sound City in LA and it's Dave Grohl and, and That's right. All yeah. the amazing musicians that went through it. But it's it's kind of I I I keep coming back to it the whole time because i it, it signifies so much about that kind of humanized sound. Yeah. And the yeah. and the imperfections that you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Whereas yeah. I mean I'm I'm a computer person and and that's my kind of day job uh, that's what I I, I do and uh, I can press a button and repeat something a hundred times and it will do it exactly the same a hundred times yeah but it's the bit where there's the air of unpredictability that is always the more interesting
1: yeah oh a hundred percent yeah like there's a there's a song in this record currently called Joined which uh oh, yeah. Like- I kind of, I wanted to, (laughs) I I wanted to have this kind of sense of kind of searching for a a thing. Well, first of all, the track starts out with this sound where it's just like a machine winding down. And that's the central heating system of the beekeepers, because it's this big, like Rayburn stove that like just winds up and like builds up into a thing. And it's like this big mechanical sound. And I thought it just sounded like the coolest thing ever. So it starts with that. And then there was a radio uh, in my grandmother's house. That's like an FM radio. And it, it has like, you know, the a dial which we just don't have on radios anymore you know where you dial through mm. and like I just basically throughout the whole song I just had the dial going through and then every so often I'd like I'd tune into to, to beat maybe or to clear FM or something like that and it would like just catch every so often you could hear somebody just say something and then you'd move on to the next part and you've got this sense of like searching but like that white noise from an, an FM radio and just turning it through like is a sound that we don't really hear anymore because it's just like this auto find thing and mm. to me it, it has such a a kind of again a romantic sound that kind of that that that's really inspiring another another version of that as well that i was really blown away with was that beatles documentary you know that three-part beatles documentary where like their microphones are sound like incredible and they just everything sounds so good and like they're recording onto these tape machines and like there's parts where like you know they need more like (laughs) they need more tracks so they need to like join these frankenstein these two massive tape machines together and like and it just like you know after all of that hardship and all the rooms look horrible (laughs) they have these weird like reflective surfaces. surfaces and but like even after all of that and there's so much thought put into it they just sound incredible because it just it's such a time and a place and such a it just sets you into that area and like it's hard to know like I mean I I feel like maybe at that time you know they were trying to go back farther again and try and sound like something farther back again you know and it's all kind of how you base you know you know, you should be take it for in terms of sonics, you should always take your kind of your sounds from the stuff that inspired you. So like, yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a forever looking back to try and find sounds and get inspired by them and pull them forward, you know? Which is great. It's really cool.
0: Okay, last question. And I mean though that this is genuinely the last question. And it's a quick one. Well great. well I hope it's a quick one. So <laughs> let's imagine there's a younger musician or producer listening to this. Yeah. And all well and good talking about hardware since and recording <laughs> a heating system, but maybe they don't have access to that, but maybe they do have a laptop. Yeah, uh, You know, probably a half-decent laptop as well. Would you have any recommendation for uh, a software instrument? You know, oh, go and get that. That one's really good. Maybe it's free. Maybe it's cheap. Yeah. You know, there's no um, point saying go off and get Garotan Orchestra. That's going to cost you a thousand euros. No, absolutely not. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's not, I mean... Uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of. I mean, obviously, not not an actual software instrument, but Ableton. You should be getting mm. something like Ableton. Is is my is my general advice to anybody a kind of uh, a friend of mine's son was recently getting into kind of samplers and stuff like that and and he's big into guitar and everything and uh he was looking at buying a sampler and i turned him off getting a sampler so that he could get ableton because like it it, it we're absolutely blessed in this like point in time in terms of music where like our computers are more than strong enough to handle uh like something like ableton like a program like ableton compared to like video editing or something like that mm-hmm. like most computers can handle Ableton and can run it. And then it just, you can. from recording to actually using the synths that are there to recording the sounds and like building stuff and, and changing and flipping samples and stuff like that. Like it's, it's really liberating. Like it's really, really amazing. And if you, if you understand parts of Ableton, then you're going to understand that any piece of natural gear that's here, any synthesizer has the same like kind of layouts and systems that, that an Ableton synth would have. Um, so as long as you've Ableton, that's, that's a really, really good start. um, And then in terms of just general VSTs and and general kind of like software instruments and stuff like that, um, yeah, there's like, there's a couple of different ones that I would suggest. Um, There's a fantastic synthesizer called a Diva Synth, which is from UHE, which does a great job of modeling these kind of synthesizers and myself and elaine may have sworn by diva for years and years and years nearly any single album or record myself and elaine may have 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 released definitely has some sort of diva on at some point um and it's a beautiful synth and a great way to kind of learn synthesis as well so i would definitely uh I would definitely suggest that. Um, And then apart from that, get a good recorder, get a little Zoom H4 recorder and record every single thing under the sun because always remember that you can take a million samples off online. But if the second you record something yourself with a little recorder, that is your sample and no one is ever going to find that sample again. It's all yours. and, And there's a really... I can guarantee you that if you release a song and it has this sample that you recorded, you go, I recorded that and I know where that comes from. And that's a buzz. It's amazing. It's really, really great. So, yeah.
0: Class. Class. Well, there's a couple of practical tips. Uh, <laughs> I might I might even check out this diva synth myself. Right. Um, so, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> right. So, Dahi, the new album, I'm Here Now, it's uh, out as of the 9th of September. There is a tour. Uh, to go alongside it and uh, as you said hopefully a lot of festivals next year I'm not trying to wish our lives away but you know there you go um yeah. <laughs> I, I, is there no sorry I never asked you this is there a physical release of the album as well
1: uh there there might be next year we'll say okay. so basically when we were w- once I got it done um there's a huge backlog and delay with vinyl at the moment so
0: yeah.
1: it's kind of almost feasibly impossible to kind of print something for me at the moment but, um, but next year, I think I probably will be releasing something. Um, and uh, if you have a look on my website, uh we're going to be releasing some other types of merch as well. It's kind of T-shirts and stuff like that as well. And uh, if you want to buy high quality pieces of the music, you can get them on Bandcamp as well. And that's a good place to, to kind of support me. That'll be a good place. Fabulous. Yeah.
0: Fabulous. Dahi, thank you so much for your time today. I wish you all the best with the album. Uh, It's a a wonderful listen. I'm not just saying that because you're here. I genuinely believe that. And uh, I wish you every success. And um, hopefully you can, you know, you don't have to break out the stripping on your next tour.
1: (laughs) Thanks. And thanks a million for all the support, Rob. Really appreciate (laughs) it. Cheers. Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor on beat 102-103.